What's going on, everybody? It's Black on Black Counts Infinity, and I'm your host, Cronus, and I'm here with... Papa Bear. Uh, it's been it's been a while since we've been able to do any kind of show together, and this is not where we normally do it. No, it definitely is not, um, but I'm looking forward to it because we haven't done a podcast in a... We did, like, a short one. Actually, it wasn't short, but it was a while ago. We did, like, a one-off, and I forget what it was about. It was about Rescue Re- Residents. Yeah, I think it was like we're gonna do a season three first episode, and then then uh, then that was that. <laughs> yeah, that was I guess that was a season. So yeah, yeah, um, but still, it was important to, important information to get out there, and we'll we'll talk about rescue residents as well in a little bit. Um, sure. Because there's a bunch of updates that most people probably don't know about if you don't follow um, the company, so or the nonprofit, which is also a company. So true. Yeah. So Papa Bear, how have you been, man? Good. Um, I, I don't think I even told you this yet. So like uh, I got back the signed version. It was definitely submitted to Headquarters Marine Corps, and my retirement is officially submitted for the third time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is the that. date? Uh, August 1st of 2024 be my official retirement date, uh, which means February 1st I could start a skill bridge for six months, basically. So Okay, so you're shooting for probably February then to like – and didn't have like the parties and stuff. <laughs> uh, so I'll probably do a ceremony actually like after having already started my internship stuff, my, my skill bridge because um, spring break for my son at university of West Florida, it will be the last week of March. So that might be the earliest I could do an actual ceremony where he could come out, uh, come to the ceremony and then be able to uh, attend like our, reception stuff another option would be to do it first part of summertime so he can just come out uh, once the summer break starts i am planning on doing like a ceremony somewhere around 29 palms here or whatever like a Mm -hmm. formal marine corps retirement ceremony stuff but then party reception type stuff will be in vegas so in case anybody's coming from far worst case scenario hey man just meet me in vegas and let's have a party yeah which (laughs) is not far from 29 palms so but also vegas is much more fun than 29 palms but I will tell you from the last retirement ceremony that I went to with uh, with Laguna, um, yep. I didn't really give a shit if it was in Twenty Nine Palms because it was just it was so cool to be around uh, other Marines again. I didn't realize how much I I missed it and missed the uh, the camaraderie and the the brotherhood and sisterhood. It was it was super dope. <laughs> yeah, the the ceremony is definitely interesting uh, for anybody who's never got. He's freezing. Um, I don't know what happened to his feed. Hopefully, it comes uh, back. Same thing, thing happened to you too. For a minute ago. Okay, we're good now. Maybe you're still frozen. There we go. <laughs> now you're back. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of emotion that happens at, at these retirement ceremonies. So there was. Well, I was not expecting that. Um, yeah. I talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but it was just like seeing all of you people, which is also me people, um, and then like things that uh, that he said, and just remembering like because you know when you at least from my perspective as like mm-hmm. a, a guy that got out you know, relatively mm-hmm. early compared mm-hmm. to the rest of you fucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't of, plan to, but it happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of forgot about like the, the good parts. Yeah. So, you know, you you, I think most people probably remember like any bad moments of their life. Like you remember that like sticks out. And so for me, there's like a lot of bad stuff in the Marine Corps that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to be around like other Marines again, that I was like cool with and like, you know, my brothers and sisters, all the good stuff came back. So I love that. Yeah, there's so there is. I'm noticing it too. Like there was a moment where you kind of froze for a second and then came back. I'm wondering if the audio is going out normal or if we're 
kind of getting choppy as we're going out too. Uh, it's a, well when it, when you froze, I like I stopped, so everybody will when they hear this, it'll be a little it'll chop for a second. But it, hopefully, it's not me because I'm I'm hard lighting into the fiber line. So oh, actually yeah. no, maybe I'm not. I say it could be my Wi-Fi too. I'm definitely on Wi-Fi. So well, if I press, mm, I know what's happening, and if I press a button, it could get better, but you might drop. Give me okay. one second. Hold on. Yeah, if it happens, I'll, I'll call right back. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully it'll be okay because I'm not on my. There we go. No drops. Okay, cool. This Sweet. is now on the yeah. Wi-Fi that's in my actual office. <laughs> it's not reaching. It's not reaching. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, my my hard line is not working. I'll figure it out some other time. It's fine. Okay. So yeah. Um, Marine Corps was cool until it wasn't. <laughs> I'm glad you got. I'm glad you and some of the other people that I know stayed in because I can live vicariously through you. Guy, <laughs> I, I got glad me and some of the other and it, it stopped. But what did you say? Well, I'm, I'm just you know I'm glad that like some good people stayed yeah. in. Like, there's enough, yeah. And then a lot of times it's really weird too that you'll run into the same group of people again like later and. Mm-hmm. Um, so like working with colonels and stuff now that I, I knew and they were, you know, captains promoted to major recently. And it's like, oof, I've been doing this a little while. <laughs> so, Oh, this is funny. Um, so Steve, who is a uh, Zor in the chat, he said that, uh, now you can do balance exchange without having to give the disclaimer. <laughs> that oh, after, yeah. Means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here, here shortly. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll chop it in. <laughs> oh, for this? Yeah, maybe. No, I mean this this one is. Well, we should be okay. Um, okay, I'm pretty sure. Well, again, we'll see my, what we get into. Yeah, just say depends on the topic, but yeah. yeah, all all opinions are my own and not the the opinions of the Marine Corps. There you go. That's the There's, disclaimer. That's the that's the that's the bumper sticker version. Yeah. Um. So other than you know we haven't well I mean we we chat from time to time. Yeah. Um. Probably not as much as I would like, but that's wholly on me because I have a lot of stupid shit going on. Um, but we have been catching up a little bit more uh, lately, okay. and yep. uh, Rescue Residence has made some serious uh, progress. So why don't you uh, why don't you talk about that? Okay, yeah. So like a big part of it has to do with the like the really recent uh, impactful stuff that we're able to do, mostly because Wait, we're part. Sorry to stop you. You're Real good. quick, um, I want to rewind just a little bit. Um, if somebody has not listened to this podcast for like a while and doesn't know what Rescue Residence is, give the ah, elevator pitch. Okay. All right. So Rescue Residence in general is a nonprofit, a 501c3 public charity where our mission is to end veteran homelessness. So we do that through a three-phase program where we conduct outreach and directly interact with those who are currently living on the streets to try to get them entered into basically the coordinated entry system so that they can be partnered with any organization, not just ours, to make sure that the problem itself is actually being solved. But they enter into our actual programs on phase one to really be focused on themselves, try to deal with transitioning out of being currently homeless on the streets, uh, like I was. And I understand that that transition is difficult. It's um, not something that is natural. It's a state of life that you've lived in for a while. And you need to learn kind of like a new way of thinking and living and that takes some time. So phase one is very much focused on getting them prepared for that, whether it's through formal counseling or just through being able to have some time to decompress and eat regular meals and feel safe for a little while. Uh, phase two is focused on job skills training. So we identify a job skill that they've always maybe been interested in that is among our list of ones that's considered to be 
nationally marketable or able to be done anywhere from anywhere. So that way they have the flexibility to really go any location in the country and start over. Uh, so they identify that training and then conduct that training, uh, getting themselves hopefully certified, but at the minimum, some kind of apprenticeship time and some um, experience in that field. Uh, during phase one and phase two, they're probably living mostly in actual permanent facilities, but start to transition into living inside an ambulance as they start to, um, so they, these ambulances we convert over to being living, but happen to have the unique benefit of being mobile. So they live in those on our site while they get used to um, those features and going through phase two and finishing up phase two. And then they basically during phase three uh, design and build with our team an, an ambulance to their own specifications and design elements the way they would really want their house to be. Then they move on into that new job in a new place somewhere in the country uh, with that ambulance that is their house. So they have the flexibility to really relocate when they need to, uh, to really get a fresh start in a new location. Man, you have like really refined the elevator pitch. And I love like the, the, the phased approach. This is uh, a throwback to the Marine Corps when we're going through boot camp, which I'm sure this is all by design um, because this is what we're used to because there's, there's three phases in the Marine Corps and they all, they all suck. But um, <laughs> in rescue residents, they're not all going to suck. Yeah, so they're, they're going to be basically rehabilitative and so yeah it, it definitely i don't know that it, i i don't think i took inspiration directly from the boot camp thing uh, that's a good point though i, don't, <laughs> I hadn't really considered that what was really interesting is i went to the um east valley regional steering committee meeting the other day for san bernardino county mm -hmm. and um there's a there's a church i think it's free free soul church I have their card because uh, when he presented what their concepts are, it was a three-phase approach. Very, very similar to what ours is, but like through missionary work primarily where they like train them in the faith, but starting by just getting them safe and comfortable and off the streets and then training in, in the word and then doing the outreach. And like, it was, it was interesting that I was like, man, so much of what you just said aligns with the way we're kind of working on stuff. So there's definitely some good room for, uh, for us to work together on some stuff out here. So. Yeah, I think in like any any time you need to, I don't know how to put the the words better. Um, how to like make somebody start anew? I'll put it that yeah. way. Like if you don't have like a phased approach, then you're gonna you're kind of lining up for disaster because you know you're gonna have you go, you want somebody to meet a, a certain standard, whatever standard that might be. Um, you can't just expect them to do everything in like one step. Yeah, just yeah. Yeah, you, know, you have to like start from like, you know, baby steps and then learning how to run and, you know, then sprinting and all, you know, all that stuff. Like it, it just, it takes time. And I think that, you know, some, some programs, um, might fall short. Um, cause I mean, we talk about this in like various, um, discussions between me and you mm -hmm. and on, and in board meetings, it's just like having certain expectations for certain kinds of people are unrealistic. And I think when you start them from the bottom and like make sure that this is the expectation that we're going to have, um, for you in this program, at least they know right away. And then like working them up towards like the eventual goal, um, is probably a, the, the best kind of approach that I can think about this time anyway. So, yeah, I think some of my kind of concept of what I built towards goes back to our normal podcast talks, right? We always bring them up. And so it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs stuff where Ding. it like <laughs> first, first part of this is just get them to understand like, it shouldn't be that hard to deal with the level one stuff, right? So, hey, look, we have food here. You're going to work to to, to kind of 
earn your place with the food. So by that, I just mean like, you're going to help clean up. You're going to help sort the food. You're going to probably prepare food. You're going to do a lot of like the, the work that goes into actually getting yourself food, but the food is here, right? It just yeah. takes the work of using it. Um, you don't have to worry about where you're sleeping. You have a safe place to sleep. You have a place to store your, and secure your stuff. So it's, it's this thing that like those phase, those phase one things are the bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy. And I don't think it's, anyone else's responsibility if you look at what they are like there's no way that i can handle the top two like that's completely on you and internal to you really working on yourself uh but we can get you from you know the bottom layer through three layers up um kind of getting you to where you feel comfortable entering into society and then focusing yourself on your you know layer four and layer five stuff for maslow so this, so somebody asked a good question um not somebody yeah. it's, it's steve um he asked a good question this is something that i mean you um, talked about um, kind of early on um, is is will folks be drug tested and this comes around like because we had it wasn't really a heated discussion but it was a pretty concentrated discussion about um, drug use and um, in our program so will will folks be drug tested mm, you froze a bit up. oh okay am I back now for you? yeah you're back yeah. okay so the question is will folks be uh, drug tested in our program okay so the the question so <laughs> you know I kind of do this for my for my work right where um, questions require questions so because um, yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I I know when somebody asked that like I, I I say what you're gonna say go ahead and I know what I have to what comes to mind for me yeah so like drug testing won't be done in order for them to enter into the program that is not an expectation right no one is going to be denied access to our programs because of drug use. Um, now, what would happen is once they get themselves through some parts of the process and are personally have decided that they need to move forward through that, um, if that is a goal that they have, which is to get completely clean and not use drugs at all, then we can facilitate that by providing them with drug tests and periodic checking. And like that would be a part of their goals and their, their established things is as long as you're meeting your other goals, um, that's not going to be a thing we're going to explicitly look for. If you want to move into certain roles and responsibilities and job fields and other things, then they'll have to know that that's a thing that's going to happen in those job fields and in those things. And we would let them know that, hey, if you want to make that progress, um, that's a thing you're going to need to stop doing. And if you want to go through training and do some of these other things, we may not necessarily facilitate those the organizations you're training with might. So then yeah. it's probably in your best interest to just understand that that's going to be a thing you're going to have to start working towards. And if you need to go to meetings and go to a detox and go to these other things. And we figure out how to accommodate you for that. Um, I think, I mean, you and I can both agree, like people can be, be plenty functional in a daily life and still have recreational uh, intoxication, whether it's alcohol or marijuana or something else. And as long as you're meeting your actual progress goals, um, I don't know that that has to be a reason to, to, to deny you to continue through the program. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I totally agree. And this is something that, you know, we talked about, early last year like when we first started talking about doing this and uh i i came from like a totally housing first sort of initiative where i don't me personally i don't really care yeah. if uh what kind of drug use you have only if you know your drug use does not encroach upon you know your work life and other aspects of your life because like, I, don't, I don't have a problem with drug use like at all but um yeah if you can't like if you can't function as you know on where you want your life to be, then that is a problem. And then yeah. that's when it becomes like, 
an issue because we can't really help somebody um, if this is a hindrance for them right. and they, they can't get to where they want to be because of drugs. And obviously, you know, when it comes to drug use, it, there's a lot of other layers um, that come with that. But you, you got to figure out those kind, those layers, you know, to become um, what most people will consider like a functioning adult. Um, but when it comes to just like day to day life, if you can do like your, you know, your normal job, you know, you're not coming in like compromised to work yeah. for yeah. for most jobs. I understand like because we come from a military background, there's going to be certain um, jobs that you're not going to be able to get if you're on drugs. But from my own personal aspects, I don't really care unless it's like messing up the rest of your life. So. Yeah, and I think so we'll have and we're we're working some of this out right now, too. Right. So we haven't gotten people in the programs. We haven't gone through any of this. So some of that's going to get adjusted as we go through it. But we're trying to establish like, what are those progression parameters where if you fail to make progress and aren't even making any effort towards it? Yeah. We can say like, you kind of aren't moving through this program. If you aren't willing to do so, you're going to have to leave. Um, it's more about that. Like, are you attending your weekly counseling sessions? Are you meeting with your mentor and actually talking about what's going on? Are you uh, working with your case manager and figuring out what the next steps are. If you're like not doing the basic things, uh, this this program's not going to be for you. So. Yeah, and, and again, I think that like it 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 should be an agreement between you know rescue residents and the individual. Like these are the goals yep. that you should have. Like especially if you think if if you know that you have a problem, you know, then yep. these are goals that you should have. But if you don't know you have a problem, then then we're like. If the conversation hasn't been had yet, then we're kind of behind. But the conversation, I think, needs to happen early on um, in the, like, the, uh, what do they call it when you, like, first join an organization? Not indoctrination. It's the... Um, uh, onboarding. Onboarding, yeah. In the, in the onboarding process, yeah. that should be, like, part of, like, the goals. Or, like, just the, you know, where do you want to see yourself, you know? Um, yep. Where do you see your issues? Th these should be part of the conversation. And, uh, it, like I said, if you don't think that this is an issue... Um, then fine. But if, but if down the road we see that, Hey, you know, you can't come into work, you're late, you know, to, to yeah. do certain things or you're not meeting certain goals, um, because of drugs, then yeah, that's, that's going to be an issue. And that's like, I don't think that's unreasonable me personally. And I'm, I'm pretty, what you would call liberal when it comes to, to drugs. I mean, I'm drinking on the, I consider alcohol drugs and I drink all the time, except for like certain yep. months. And y'all, you guys all know that, um, coming up. Yeah, it's coming up. Sober October, which I, I don't think I don't know if I'm, I, I can do part of it, because my my uh, my oldest turns twenty one on the twenty eighth of October. So that's pretty close. That's basically yeah. It's pretty it starts close. It starts tomorrow, and then you yeah. got thirtieth. I could start tomorrow. Oh, but I'm gonna. This is the problem. Though. This this is the problem that I had because I'm going to Vegas um, to go watch uh, Baby Metal and Death Clock on the eighth okay. yeah. of October. So that's it's gonna be a hard one. But don't worry. I mean, I already did like I did two sober months um, this year. So I'm I'm definitely not behind, so I'll yeah. I'll be okay. But I'll, I'll I have another one. I'm gonna do another one, so it's okay. Yeah, I'm I'm like pushing the keto and fasting to the extreme right now, so that I can weigh in. So I still gotta weigh in. Let's taking it to eleven. We're doing um yeah, this will be the last one. Pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I th I think I've said that on a podcast before though, so that's a little scary. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> but uh, this Friday we're actually doing a 24 hour run. Oh, uh, Jesus. A little crazy. So from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., so Friday night to Saturday night, on base, it's a three-hour, or it's a three-mile loop, basically. It's a 5K loop. Um, it's a team of 10. 
night hours, while it's dark, you have to run in pairs with lights, right? So we have to run in pairs, um, and you just have to have somebody running all the time. So oh, it's a t- uh, okay. Team's not too bad then. All right. Yeah, team that, of ten. That's reasonable. Like, like a Ragnar. Still, yep. Yeah, but uh, twenty-four hours. Someone's got to always be running. So it's gonna be so interesting. How many shifts do you have to run? So the way the thing works is it's 24 hours. It's how many laps can you do? So your teams are competing against our team of 10 is competing against other teams of 10 to complete as many as 24 hours. It's okay. pretty wicked. It, like I didn't understand that that was the construct when I signed up. I thought I was signing up for a lap somewhere at two o'clock in the morning, probably a or something lap. ridiculous. And <laughs> yeah. no, that is not what I'm doing. Apparently, No, so I, I told them, I was like, Oh, I am, I am absolutely weighing in as soon as this is done. Cause I am, I am going to be empty. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, at least it's not like, What's the temperature out there right now? Because you're you, so for y'all didn't know, he uh, Papa Bear is in uh, Death Valley, um, <laughs> Twenty Nine Palms, California. If you look it up on a map, it's like the asshole of California. So. Yeah, it's a little nowhere. Uh, it's actually only supposed to be like in the eighties this weekend. So it's oh, not, that's not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. No, we got lucky. Otherwise, it would have been so. It was one hundred and ten today. <sighs> Shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's toasty. <laughs> yeah. But it's cooling down. Mornings are nice and cool. It's real nice. But what somebody will always say is it's it's the dry heat. It is. I mean, yeah, that's something. It's the dry heat still sucks, though. Like, it, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, if you're in a place where it only gets to be like 90 and has high humidity and super uncomfortable, well, if it's 120 and it's dry, it, it's still super uncomfortable. <laughs> so. Yeah, see, people that say that, they're not – they don't live in these – well, I guess some of them do, I guess. But I, I've been in the extremes of both. I'm pretty sure you have too with like high humidity and high temperature and, and high – um, and low humidity and high temperatures, like they're they're both pretty shitty. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no humidity. It does need to be significantly higher temperature, which is normal. But like it, 120 degrees is still uncomfortable. Yeah, it's. I always come back to like the hottest place I've ever been to was Djibouti, Africa, where it was 120 degrees in the shade, 90 percent humidity, and people can't even comprehend what that feels like. <laughs> Yeah, it's, Especially it's when you're not, like full battle rattle and just like fuck all that. Yeah, I'll I'll probably be wearing a plate carrier and carrying a plastic sword the whole time too because I'm just retarded. Not supposed to say that word, but I can oh, say it about myself. Oh, for the run. Yeah. Why well, you gotta do the plastic sword, man? Good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right, yeah, you... uh, Am I breaking up again? Sorry. What is going on and here? It's, it shouldn't be back. on my yeah. end. Yeah, I don't know. I will check though. Let me. I'll, I'll check me, I'm just on Wi-Fi. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm on Wi-Fi, but literally my my laptop's next to my Wi-Fi hotspot. Yeah, computer's right here, and the router's like right there too. So it's not not far, but it's the desert, man. Like we don't have the best connectivity to the town out here, let alone. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> when we like we we did so we got Wi-Fi at the campus now. So if you didn't know that, McSess has like Wi-Fi like for users and everything, right? So um, to get it so that it was uh, able to support the student population we were expecting, we didn't just have to upgrade the connection to the base. Like we had to pay to upgrade the connection to 29 Palms Town. Like it, it did not have enough of a throughput capacity <laughs> to support that requirement. So we're like, uh, okay, pay for that too. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. I think. I'm going to try to fix something real quick, so just jibber-jabber for a second. Or not. <laughs> no, I actually have a hard line. I don't know what happened to Papa Bear. Um, he on another line. Okay, hold on. There we go. Oh. No. Felt like I didn't leave. 
Okay. Yeah, it looks like your picture quality is way clearer too. All of a sudden, so is it? Yeah, it probably. Okay. Probably with some of that. Yeah. So I did a, a hard line. Nope. Well, no, I should be here. <laughs> an echo uh, right technical though, difficulties. That's kind of weird. It's good times. I wonder if uh, if y'all are in the chat. Do you hear an echo from me? Because I don't hear it from you, but you can hear me, right? Me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Sorry. Okay. Uh, no, no echo that I can tell. All right, that's fine. Let's see if I can mute this thing. It's going to get weird for a second. Now there's probably going to be an echo. All good. Okay, Zor says no echo. Okay, cool. Well, then I'll just deal with me talking to myself. Ugh. You're getting the side, the side, low side tone or whatever stuff? Yeah, it's like a, probably like a half half a millisecond or something like that. After I talk, I can hear myself. Gotcha. Yeah, and it looks like like, as far as the YouTube video looks, I don't see us freezing up or chopping up. It's just while we're trying to have a conversation, when one of us cuts out, you're like, oh, come on. But yeah, that's weird. so far now, in the last couple of seconds, we haven't had any issues. This happened before. So what were we talking about? Well, we were talking about drug testing, and then it went to something else. Uh, so no, yeah, the answer to the question, not really a key parameter. Uh, if the person sets that goal, then we'll try to hold them accountable to that goal. Um, that's It's to facilitate what that person needs. If they're taking drugs and the drugs are making them violent, if they're drinking to the point that it's making them violent, we're going to advise them that like that's probably a problem they want to work on. If they accept that that's a problem they want to work on, then we'll hold them accountable to that problem that they that goal that they set, right? Because some do you have a, a workout accountability partner? Do you have a workout accountability partner like someone that you feel like makes you need to go do your workouts? Like not now, no, I haven't had one. I was someone else's accountability partner in uh, in Iraq. <laughs> but I, I know what you mean. They're very important. No, because, yeah, yeah, you go because you know they're going to be there and it makes yeah. So it's similar to that. Just someone who asks, like, hey, have you gone to your meeting late, like lately? D did you schedule your meetings for this week? Do you, you know, do you have the things going like you're supposed to? And having that accountability person there trying to help keep you on track. To, and it doesn't look like it's actually freezing. Well, it freezes on like my end, which is yeah. like, weird because it's. And you freeze up on my end every once in a while, too. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me give me a sec. Well, disconnect from my Wi-Fi, like all of it, and it just dropped you. Fucking goddamn it! That was my bad. I'm trying to disconnect from. Uh, I'm back, but I'm I'm probably not back now. There we go. All right, hey. Nope. It's so weird because, like, to my end of it, I stayed in the call. I never dropped. Yeah, it's weird because, like, it says you dropped, but then you pop back in on like the bottom part for me. Yeah, when it does that, it shows a mirror of you, like one that's frozen, and then you back in it and controlling or something. It's weird. Well, I don't know why it keeps like connecting to like my Wi-Fi in my house, but I don't want it to. Yeah. Oh, it's probably just because it's doing that switching is when it's doing the the freeze, maybe. Yeah, but the thing is that uh, like I'm connected to the, I have a hard line, and it's just like ignoring it. Yeah, that's weird. You get to see two uh, communications folks uh, actively troubleshoot their network. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, super weird. <laughs> and, and this is literally how it goes. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Good. But who's the mm -hmm. distant end? Uh, the internet. The internet. Okay, there you go. Blame the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that way you can blame the distant end. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I guess progress. Um. The the big flurry of forward movement you kind of have seen um, was mostly because I kind of, I had done it once before, but I turned a little bit of focus of energy towards uh, participating in hiring our heroes, which is um, a transition assistance program basically for the DOD where 
um, active duty service members can like partner with um, civilian businesses to um, do an internship basically for a, several weeks. It's like a fellowship period. And then, uh, then they complete their transition out of active duty into the civilian world. And so from a nonprofit point of view, like what I did was I created that as a specific program before I was just kind of participating. I wasn't really making a focal effort on it. And so, uh, I thought about it more and realized if we do a good, there's a whole lot less in our actual program services. So I created a program called preventative medicine from my point of view, which is helping them do a better job transitioning. Um, and so this round, I really put a lot of effort into like making sure I've spent time and energy on sending out emails to all the pr program, like eligible participants, contacting a ton of them, doing a bunch of interviews and sending out lots of uh, invites to join us. Ended up with five interns. Uh, the first round that I did, I only ended up with one. And so we have five and these are all pretty uh, experienced um, military folks who are retiring. Every one of them is retiring. So I was able to kind of basically put five of the projects I've been working on by myself, like piecemeal one hour here or there and put one of them as a lead for each of them. They all kind of want to get not all of them, but a lot are looking at project management or things like that. Um, so they gave them each a project. They're each leading one of their projects as they go through. Um, where we got one one thing that's helped a lot too. So we got a board member uh, that is a lawyer. So she's able to kind of review a lot of documents and create a lot of documents and look at making sure we're set up for compliance and doing some other stuff. So having someone else with with a legal eye able to kind of look at what we're doing and and frame and structure things and make sure we're yeah you know. Uh, protecting ourselves and taking care of things. Uh, so that's that. Um, and then I don't know if we've talked about the funding stuff. So um, let's talk about it because that's, that's probably that's be the next a pretty big thing. deal. Yeah, that's that's the so that's why the other um, the other things need to get done at a pace that I could not possibly manage myself. Executive summary in. Yeah, you, you're good now. And also, I know it's not me. I'm, I'm pulling down half a gig right now. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably so the Wi-Fi connection to this computer is probably fine, but my overall connection is probably being sucked down by watching Shameless next door in the TV. So, oh, uh, okay. So I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I checked my connection. It's half a gig down and almost a gig up. Yeah, I'm sure the connection itself is decent enough. Uh, it's just that um, sharing it with other people who are also using the internet to watch streaming video probably. Gotcha. Um. So yeah, about four months ago, you think when I submitted it originally, maybe even further back. Feels yeah, like it was yeah. April. Yes, so April, April into May. So I got this opportunity. They said, "Hey, put together an executive summary, come up with a big pipe dream plan, bigger than you ever thought of." Up to that point, and I built it out as big as I kind of figured I could manage with a small staff. Uh, I was looking at two years worth of full funding. That's purchasing property. Um, building out all of the construction that would be needed for a small scale space um, and funding the entire staff for two years uh, at $2 million. I was looking at trying to get San Bernardino County to fund that. Right. And when this opportunity came along, the the guy kind of managing our applications to it was like, that's not big enough. You got to go bigger. Right. So uh, smallest programs are going to be 10, $10 million. So it's got to be at least that. So it's like, well, how do I get to 10 million? So maybe scale up a little. I remembered seeing a property down the road that was like $350,000 for 40 acres. So it was like 40 acres would be pretty cool. Maybe I could build. Oh, you just totally dropped. All right. So now I will talk. So he was, I'm not going to tell his story. Oh, there he is. He's back. Yeah, this is, this is definitely on his end. 
one hundred percent. All right, you're back. It was weird. Like it looked like it was just me for a second, and then it just jumped right back into. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, my my connection sucks. Blame blame rural. Uh, I'm gonna have to edit the shit out of this podcast for once. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm gonna edit it tomorrow, so don't expect this podcast to be coming tonight. <laughs> So I thought about what could I do with 40 acres, went to look at that property that I was uh, interested in from earlier when I'd seen it, and it was sold. <laughs> Not just Holy taps. shit. That was yeah. like a I used taps, taps I had a alarm alarm response right there. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's time for bed. Yeah. Um, um, but the, it had sold, and so I go to zoom out to see if I could find something similar, and I realized it was actually – that the purchase the person purchased both properties and now there's 80 acres available. So I was like, well, what do I do with 80? So I kind of built out the program with 80 acres and the amount of space available with that and some of the ideas I had. So it ends up being um, at least like enough acreage to do the project. So 40 to 80 acres or more. And we're looking at 110 housing units on the property. We're looking at 50 RV parking spots. Uh, a community center, which will basically kind of manage the, like it's a campground. So you'll have a lot of the the office functional stuff that you would have for a major RV park and campground. Uh, you're going to have a fitness center inside that space, basketball courts, like stuff that fun, fun stuff for people to do. We're going to manage a, a disc golf course out of that location too. I don't know if I talked to you about disc golf, but that's definitely a thing that would be pretty fun to have on the site. Like Frisbee? Uh, yeah, it's Frisbee golf. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's very uh, Pacific Northwest of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not as common down here. People like to golf, but I feel like it might be enough of a thing to kind of make it an interesting event or activity for people to do on a larger property too, right? So you can really travel the whole property by doing it, which is kind of neat. Yeah. It also does not require a lot of grass. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> like, a, like a regular golf course would. Yeah. I don't feel like making it green. Like wasting fucking water. Yeah, no, that's a bad idea. Um, then there's also going to be... Uh, an American Legion managed veteran training center. So we're going to have it. It's going to be on our property. It's going to be our building, but as a training center, the American Legion will actually manage the training facility. itself. So it'll be American Legion volunteers. It'll be American Legion training coordinated. We are going to kind of help build out what that menu looks like, but they'll coordinate and provide a lot of that training. So that's pretty cool. Um, we're going to do. Oh, stop. Break out again. Yeah. Hmm? You're, I think you're back. Okay. Your audio is. Next thing would be an event center where we can host our own fundraising events and uh, it'll have its own recording studio, hopefully with a better internet connection than this one. Um, and we'll, we'll pay for a fiber line. God damn it. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the things we did talk about, this is like totally like inside property design space stuff was it is high desert. And so having a water tower might be a realistic thing we want to do. So that way, should we yeah. lose power or anything else, we have our own water tower on our property. Um, but also the property I'm looking at right now is is larger, but also it's up near Pioneer Town. So Pioneer Town, if you don't know it, is like a, a Wild West themed visitor kind of touristy location. Uh, it was an old, it started out as a, a film set. Um, Hollywood film studios would come out here, film Wild West films and would use Pioneer Town as like a, a permanent backdrop. So they basically made this permanent set. And then because there were so many Westerns being put out at the time, uh, the community kind of just grew around this set. And so this set still exists basically as a cool Wild West backdrop. Um, so if we want to stay on brand and on theme and get all of our permits approved by the town, right, you want to kind of 
state of that Wild West theme. So now I'm thinking that property, if it ends up in Pioneer Town, would be very Wild West themed. So we could put up like a very Wild West water tower, and like just be able to see the distance. Well, we'll be able to hide in some microwave links and some LTE tower stuff on that and hopefully have a decent <laughs> yes. network connectivity at that location. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to think like past this thing because it, it sucks up there. It's, it's pretty tough, tough connectivity. Um, no, I mean, it just takes, so have a, have a, a, it takes a lot of money to run those, you know, physical lines. So, you know, I get it. Right. So, yeah. So if we can microwave in, uh, might be worth looking at. And, and honestly, like one of the cool things too would be is if we build that water tower and then provide, um, the real estate to those cell phone companies to provide that capability in the region up there, then, you know, we get a lease basically cost or lease benefit out of them using our tower for that particular function. So that would be great. Another way to make some additional money every way I can to try to, to help the mission out and do what we're doing. It'd be great. But, um, so event center, uh, a lot of people come out to the high desert and do weddings spring and fall. So we can rent that out as a wedding venue, uh, things like that. And then the final piece, obviously, the ambulance conversion workshop. So a place for us to actually build our ambulances and convert those things over. All of that totaling up to $53 million as a total project. And that was fully funded. Uh, is in kind of the final phases of processing and review. Um, and then eventual bond evaluation and grading. And then we can start buying property and resources and tools and stuff. We can't pay salaries. We can't fund overhead we can't do some some of the like operational costs kind of stuff but if it's uh purchasing a thing that accomplishes the project as it was described then we can spend that money on it so buying ambulances buying tools uh can't pay a mechanic to do the thing right but <laughs> we find we find our ways to, to to make that stuff work once we've been building and buying and doing some of stuff i think like when it after like the big purchases we could figure out the rest of stuff you know what I mean? like, yeah, and there's some there's some not online on a live stream uh, ways to get around that that I can talk to you about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's there's probably a lot of ways mm -hmm. that are legal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just that, um, it, and, and and not just legal, but also ethical. It's just that um, it's within the spirit of the law, the law that's the, or spirit of the the the, the contract and the, the written terms and stuff. So we just make it make it work. So like I could give an example. So we're going to do um, real estate purchases as part of it, right? So the first step in this is to buy that land. So we find the land, we purchase it. We're going to use real estate agents, right? To do that transaction, you kind of have to, right? Yeah. So what happens whenever you buy or sell a house? Cronus, I know you're doing this right now. How much does a real estate agent get as a percentage of that sale? It's like two, two and a half percent or more. Yeah. So usually it's like 3% for each real estate agent. So it's usually 6% yeah. total per sale, 3% for the seller's agent, 3% for the buyer's agent. Yeah. Well, those things are still going to get paid to those real estate agents, right? So then also, since this is a, a um, commercial real estate sale, then the manager of that property or that deal itself, hey, oh, it's your door. we are live. <laughs> Me and Cronus. Hi. Good times. I thought it, I thought it was my door. Was no, like... sorry. I'm in a fucking shed. Who's, who's coming to get me? Yeah. Uh, I got a couple minutes left. No, I oh, okay. Um, Damn, Sergeant Major got you. <laughs> CEO, <laughs> CEO, you better get it right. <laughs> uh, forgot where I was at. Oh, so the, the manager of the, the, the actual deal itself or whatever can take a management fee as well, right? Same as you would do real estate agent deals. The The organizer of the deal itself take a management fee as well so yeah no it makes 
Makes sense. And I'm sure we're, so it's a big gonna deal. Have, we're gonna have like, if we can get a decent plot of land, we're mm-hmm. gonna be a lot of leverage to, if we needed to, like kind of like lease part of the land for other, for other, you know, worthy organizations or whatever for revenue. Mm. It's also when we're talking about what we're doing, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're worried about like, you know, how are you going to pay people, blah, 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 how are you going to have revenue in the future? Um, one of the main things, how we will get revenue is through like Vash, um, HUD vouchers, and that's a decent revenue. So basically like any unhoused veteran, um, they can get a, a housing voucher um, that's paid through the VA. And when they go through our program, we can just, we can get paid that money as they're being housed through us while we're helping them transition to like their next, um, I guess, moment in life. So we definitely have thought about ways to, to bring in revenue and Mm -hmm. we're going to keep going forward and being creative on, on how to do that as well. Yeah. And grant writing is going to be a a big, one of those strategies too, to help offset some of those, those gaps in things. Frozen again. Oh, okay. Yep, you're good now. It's, it's funny when I say when you you like you freeze and then I say you're frozen again. You're like, oh yeah, okay. I can hear that part. <laughs> um. So, one of the problems I see that organizations get into is is like you described. If we're generating a significant portion of our our funds by having people living in our houses and bringing in HUDVASH funds to then operate the whole system the tendency becomes to not ever want them to vacate those spaces. So we continue to get those rents. Right. So then for our programs where the goal is to, you know, live there for long enough to get a good skill and then be able to move forward into a new location and then get someone else off the street in the location, that time frame where we transition someone out of a house and wait for someone to come into that house until we get rents from them is a risk we have to accept because now we are no longer collecting those rents, right. For however long that takes. And uh, it's somewhat anecdotal. I don't have like some study to point at and, and, and you know, use as real statistical numbers, but like, like I get a significant impression that a lot of organizations um, get people into their houses and then hope they don't leave because then they are getting their rents, they're collecting their rents and they're able to continue with their actual like funds and finances in the same position that they were. and. So what I've done is I calculated all of our revenues at a 75% occupancy, just assuming that 25% of the time they're either unoccupied or someone is recently occupied and we're still working out the process to get them their HUD-VASH vouchers. So we can build our budget and our plan off of only having 75% at any point in time actually generating revenue. And then what we're looking to do is make sure that we have grants to cover that 25% so that, hey, you know, during this time frame, we know we're going to have issues uh, while we do these transitional things. Can can we get grants to help uh, help us keep operational while we do these do these things that we want to do to make this program work? Yeah, it's a that's a great point because you know the funding that we're getting isn't it's sort of a grant but sort of not really right. Right, yeah, it's technically a bond. Yeah. Uh, it'll it'll function like a grant at the end of five years, kind of, sort of, is the way the rules are written. So but yeah, so like the way we were originally looking at this was like mainly through grants, which is like. Mm-hmm for our needs was be like sort of piecemeal. Um, yeah. And, th- you know, this bond that we're, that we're going to get is like the whole kit and caboodle, which is great. But then if you're also listening to this and thinking like, hey, you know, there's only so many unhoused veterans, what happens, you know, if you like hit, hit your mission goal and you're like you, we house all of them. 
Um, I think for us, we could just tra- we we could transition to taking what we learned through unhoused veterans and using that towards unhoused civilians, and then eventually, which is I mean, let's just be realistic. There's probably no realistic way that we're gonna eliminate the problem totally. Um, but if we got to a point to where we have housed enough people that want to be housed, um, and that's no longer an issue. We can also go to the civilian aspect and then eventually um, take what we learned from converting, uh, you know, RVs and ambulances and all stuff, or RVs, or, I'm sorry, ambulances and RVs, and then make it into a commercial effort. So, yeah, you could easily. So, yeah, the, the goal of every nonprofit should be to put themselves out of business and shut down. So if you're, and that's the way all mission statements are written, vision statements are written, is that at the end of like this dream of a thing that you're building, the need for you to solve this problem is gone. And you have to figure out what to do with what you're left with. Um, Many of the aspects of this could easily convert to commercial um, concepts. It just, you know, like you said, it's, it's, unrealistic to think it's really going to be able to happen, but that's, that's what your vision has to be. That's where your heart has to be. That's what your goal has to be. Um, and you're doing everything you can to work towards it. So. All right. How much time do I love for you? Think, how, how much trouble uh, are you going to get in? <laughs> <laughs> be all right. What's up? What do you got? Oh, well, we can't just talk about rescue residents cause you, uh, we haven't, uh, we haven't chatted online in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we had like a bunch of like short stuff we want to talk about. Let's let's try and find one that we can talk about for just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that way you can still, you know, have family life. It's only eight sure. thirty. Oh, I'm sorry, nine thirty. That's bedtime here. Oh, is it bedtime? Okay. Well, I mean, my kid's <laughs> already in bed, so yeah. My, my partner's she's getting up early to go to DC, so yeah. There was there was a couple things that you wanted to talk about for like that were like short. What was one of them? McDonald's issue. The McDonald's issue? Um, like attire, like what they're allowed to wear in the Senate discussion. Okay. Which one should we talk about? The, the McDonald's one or the... Uh, I kind of feel like the Senate one would be a little bit a little bit um, easier, I guess. It would be easier, but it's also kind of more obscure. I don't, I don't really care. Um, y'all get what you get tonight for the podcast, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let me get back to understand the, the problem with the senator. Let me grab the article uh, for the McDonald's one because maybe that'd be better. Was it? Uh... Well, I mean, honestly, the Senate attire thing would be probably more educational for probably most of our, of our listeners. Okay, because most people don't, don't understand like the uh, historical aspects of like the Senate and like decorum and why they dress the way they do. Um, so yeah, why don't you set it up? Like why is the Senate dress code even coming up? So there was, um, basically the dress code standard was to be wearing like a regular business suit, um, whenever you're on the Senate floor. And so there was, I, I have to look it up. I got to look it up. Right, there is there is two separate dress codes. There's one for the for the men and one for the women. And um, uh, again, to add to to the why this conversation is happening right now is that they relaxed the dress code for men, but not for women. 
so that's a, that's a whole other piece of this conversation. But um, there was there's a senator that uh, has very. He's saying very relaxed attire. I'm pretty sure. Wearing Crocs, on. shorts, and a hoodie. There we go. <laughs> yes, and I know what he's talking about. You broke up. I, I filled it in. Hopefully, or not, because you're, you're just smiling. It's a great smile. There we go. Now you're back. Maybe. Holy shit, man. This is a lot of editing tomorrow in the morning. <laughs> All right, I heard you breathe. The sigh. Good now? Yes, you're good now. Jeez. <laughs> this is difficult. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, yeah, so he basically wears like Crocs, shorts, and a hoodie most of the time, right? Yeah. Uh, God damn it. Yeah, I can see you waving. Probably probably should call it then if this is this bad of a connection. Sorry. I, I don't know what's going on with my end of it. I can't really fix it. Yeah, it just recently started getting really bad. Yeah, which is funny because that means the TV is actually off now because she's getting in bed. Well, so, now, now you're good. So keep, go, all right, keep going now and then we'll, we'll see. If it keeps breaking up, then we'll, we'll stop. Or you'll stop and I'll explain. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, just... Fucking immediately. <laughs> All right. Sorry, man. Yeah. That's weird. It was, yeah. It was let's call it. All right. Call it and I'll, I'll explain to everybody. Sorry. Bye. All right. Later, man. Thanks for coming. <laughs> later. All right. He's going to drop. Um, I will explain um, what's going on and I'll have to deal with um, me being echoing into my own fucking headphones, which is annoying. But whatever, I'll, I'll 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 just do it. Also, keep in mind that I've been uh, I've been drinking a little bit, so I'm going to try to explain um, these um, the Senate formal dress code. Um, so there has been, even though he was mentioning one uh, new uh, Congress person, um, and there's a few other Congress people that have like a more they want to have more relaxed dress codes. And when I first originally heard this story of how they wanted to relax, I don't even have the fucking headphones on. I know I'm talking. Anyway, they wanted to have a more relaxed dress code um, for like to be more modern. And because some of them, they want to wear Crocs and, you know, sweatshirts and, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't want to wear suits. And I understand that um, being a female in a, especially the Senate, um, there's a more stern dress code, even for, for males as well. Um, and you have to like cover up your shoulders as a female, um, which is super weird to me because I'm like, these shoulders make people make dudes horny. I mean, I don't I don't get it. They can show their ankles, right? I I, I hope I, I don't fucking know. But it it seemed really silly to me when I first um, read the story that there was an issue with um, dress codes and they want to like, you know, relax their dress codes for the Senate. And I was like, well, go ahead, because you know me. I mean, I, I wore fucking t-shirts and jeans and you know, sweats usually most days because I work from home and I don't really give a shit. I don't, I don't put, I don't like wearing, um, suits because I do jujitsu and when I wear things with like collars on, I don't want to get fucking choked. It's a very unrealistic, um, concern of mine because first of all, if somebody grabs my collars. I know what to do because I do jujitsu, but anyway, neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, I thought it was kind of a silly story about how they weren't, what they want to relax the dress code, there was some pushback to it. Um, 
Zor in the chat was asking when was the dress dress code rule created since the founding of the country? And to answer your question, it's actually way before the founding of this country. This actually goes back to the Roman era when the Senate was first created. So here you get some history lessons from Cronus. Um, so the Senate, um, way back in the Roman days, um, that's where you get the dress code from, which is when the Senate was first created. Um, and the reason why they did it was to show um, respect to uh, the people and to their station. And so when people think of like the Roman days, like when you see like the togas, um, people think that those togas were like a normal dress for Romans way back in the day. I can't remember the era. I'm not going to look it up because I'm a one-man show. I'm a one-man show right now, and I don't want to like type while I'm talking. Um, but it's basically hundreds of years ago. Um, and the toga was not a normal dress. It's basically, that's like a formal business suit back then. Um, most people back in those Roman days, they were, they were tunics and not a, not a full uh, toga uh, for their daily life. And so the people that were a part of the Senate, they would put on the, the toga as a show of respect for the people and their station. And so when I, once I understood that and um, understanding that it has to do with respect for their station and that they're giving of services to basically have the people recognize that they, as the person that's on the Senate, is doing a service to the people. And this is a visual representation of that. That's when I was like, oh, like, I, I kind of get it now because you expect certain people to dress a certain way doing certain things. Like, for instance, I would not expect a person at McDonald's to wear a full suit, right? I expect them to wear, like, something more casual, um... You know, because they're cooking food and stuff. At the same time, I would expect somebody of a more official station, like, say, a senator or president, to wear something more formal because they're formally representing themselves to the public as a person um, that's representing the people. And so it should be formal. Um, but I can understand that, that they can be, you can push back on this if you want. And, and it's fine if you think that... Uh, they should be wearing like whatever. But my whole thing that I've said this from like, if you listen to like old podcasts, I think that especially presidents and this, this includes Congress people, they should be better than your average person. Um, and I mean that in pretty much most aspects, especially when it comes to like knowledge, um, you know, just like kindness, um, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of like different aspects that they should have, but they should be better than your average person. And part of being a better than the average person, um, unfortunately, has to do with, like, the way you present yourself. Um, and I, I'm not, I don't want to say it's, like, respectability politics. Um, but what I do want to say is that if you want to represent me, I expect you to present yourself as a quote-unquote professional. If you want to argue what a professional looks like, you can do that. That's not the purpose of this conversation. Um what I'm just trying to say is you should look a certain way if uh, if you're in a position of power, at least in America, or even in probably most places, right? You, people have uniforms. Um, but for me personally, I don't fucking like suits, um, but I'm also, I'm not in Congress. But if I was in Congress, if I was even, on, if, if I was even in the House representatives, much less the Senate, I would wear a suit um, to better represent my constituents. Because they are representing their people. If you want somebody to represent you, you should want them to look kind of professional. 
you know? It'd be like if you uh, if you got in trouble and you had to hire a lawyer and your lawyer came in with fucking, you know, Crocs and a hoodie on and, and, and sweatpants. Like, how would how would you feel about that with your with your lawyer? Probably not great, right? So that's the same thing that I, I think of when I think of representatives of, uh, of our democracy presenting themselves to the public. So, yeah, I, I actually, my, my initial thought when it came to the dress code was like, why can't they wear whatever they want? And then I thought about it and I looked up like the actual history of the Senate and there you go. Those are my thoughts. And yes, warrior fella, I totally agree. Three-piece suits are overrated. However, they do look quite professional. <laughs> That's the, in, in an American aspect. They look very professional in an American aspect. What I will say is that I think that we could, we could probably update what looks professional um, for um, Congress. Like, if you want to wear a more traditional... I, I Honestly, I would have no problem if your ethnic background, if you wore a traditional, like, professional um, outfit for whatever your ethnic background is. Like, if you want to come out there in a daishiki, I don't really give a shit. Like, that's still, that's a very formal, you know, outfit. If you want to, I'm trying to think of, like, um, other ethnic groups where they have, like, more professional um, outfits. But even then, it's like, it's just, it's just, it's just formal, you know? Just like, I think that when it comes to being formal, it just shows the, the respect, um, that the people they're representing deserve. I think that's what most people, they kind of forget is that all these people that are in Congress, they're representing thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of people, probably sometimes because there's not enough people in Congress. Um, They're representing all of them. And I think that putting, you know, your most professional foot forward um, could go a long way. And if, and if you're, and if you being in a, you know, a three piece suit or, you know, whatever other kind of garb is too uncomfortable for you, then, you know, I don't know. But I'm also at the same time, like I said, I'm, I'm all for like adding in more um, different kinds of professional attire, but it has to be like a professional attire. And uh, who that, you know, <laughs> do we need powdered wigs? <laughs> I was thinking about that too. Like the, the whole time I was thinking about, this is Papa Bear. He's in, he's in the chat. Um, yeah, I was thinking about the the powdered wigs thing too, and I was like, yeah, the powdered wigs is like a it's an older professional kind of thing. So no, I think when it comes to like modern um, professionalism, that they, they think we need to have like a it needs to be modern, you know. But at the same time, then you get in the argument of well, what kind of modern? Because American modernism is not the same thing as like what I talked about before, like ethnic modernism. You know, I brought up I brought up a dashiki before, but you know, a dashiki is not professional modern, modernism. Our professionalism, but it probably should be given the uh, the different kind of groups that America is made out of. You know, it's not just uh, it's not just a Eurocentric Westernism deal anymore. I mean, you know, like most of America is just they're not just European people. So I think that we need to accept that. I think what once we get over accepting that. Um, in America, I think we we probably be better off. Um, at least we have, at least we have uniforms like them. Oh yeah, I mean that that'd be a way to go too. Um, Papa Bear was mentioning um, maybe they should have like a uniform, which I you know I agree with. I mean that's what the original Senate had. They had the togas, 
right? That was their professional uniform. And so if that's the way it should be, maybe they, maybe that's the way to go. That, that, that way there's no confusion. That way, hey, at least if you're going to go on the Senate or House of Representatives floor, you need to have this agreed upon professional uniform. And maybe it should be a little wider than a normal military uniform, which I'm fine with. But I think it would be kind of easier for them to, like, go through. And, like, once you get off the floor... Wear, wear whatever you want, you know, take off your, take off your quote unquote toga and wear whatever you want and go about your day. But once you're on, once you enter, um, the people's house and you're representing the people and you're, you know, doing your speeches and you're, you know, you're writing laws and all this stuff, you need to wear this certain uniform. And if you think that's ridiculous, I mean, listen, if, if, two, you know, if, if it were two, if it were two million people, and our military can do that, then why can't, you know, uh, it's, see, Papa Bear was on here to tell you the actual number. I'm pretty sure it's around 300. It's probably less. Or maybe it's five. God damn it. It's five something. Is it 530? Shit, he's going to tell me in a second. It's 530 something, because we've been over this. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. 535. There we go. <laughs> I was close. I, I knew it was five something. I don't think a, a uniform is unreasonable, to be to be honest with you, because you got to remember these are these are public servants, you know they're basically. You got to think of them as like police officers and military members and firefighters. Like all these people have fucking uniforms. Why can't Congress? And the, I I know why the Congress people will say they can't because they they think that they're better they think that they're better than us. A lot of them do, but they're not. They're representing us, okay? And I think that if they had a uniform, that would put them in their perspective places because they're not better than us. They're just representing us. And if you go back to like, um, we had an old Balance Exchange podcast, probably like one of the first ones of like explaining, like expanding Congress, which um, was very enlightening for me Um, because you have some of these people that are representing like, so many goddamn people, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. We have an expanded Congress in like the the longest time. I, I want to say, at least a, a, I don't know, I don't even know. I got I look it up. This is why I need Papa Bear. But it's been a really long time since we've had a real serious expansion of uh of Congress, you know. Uh, and I, I don't know why. Yeah, Papa Bear brought another thing. Like judges wear robes. Like why can't we have Congress wear? Something like that, but not the powdered wigs, please. Not the powder. That's too far, way too far, because that's it's just weird. It's 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 very antiquated. Robes, though, I get it. At least robes. I mean, you could just you could toss it on. Robes, I get, because like you can put it on your body. You know, wear whatever clothes you want. You can wear your fucking hoodie, whatever. And then once you're off the floor, take the robe off. Bam, there you go. That makes sense. Oh, that's what it was. 6,000 representatives is what Papa Bear was, um, what he explained in like a really, in a sort semi-old um, Balance Exchange podcast. We should have at least 6,000 representatives. And the last time we expanded Congress was in 1913. Can you imagine what in 1913 is still relevant today? I mean... It's it's very few things, <laughs> like seriously, it's just ridiculous. Um, 
this is a very like politically centered podcast right now and that definitely was not the um the goal in this one but that's the way it's gonna be because you know it's getting late <laughs> and i gotta edit a lot of shit uh in the morning because of um some some technical issues and i'm definitely not gonna do it tonight um why do they need to be in one building yes that's another thing we brought up too we should not have all of uh we should not have the house or the senate in a single building it's fucking stupid for very obvious national security reasons you have the house the senate in one building and they have the white house not too far away um they're in the same i don't know how many mile radius but it's definitely within a bomb radius so this seems very very stupid to me um that we have all these people in the same uh same vicinity they should be regions, which we talked about also on the podcast. This should be, um, you know, at, at least probably four regions. Um, actually, no, it could be like three regions of like where they should represent. I mean, it's that we have the internet today. If you want to vote on shit, you can do it, you know, in three regions. Because problem you have today, if you don't know about um, your representatives or your senators, um, they have to fly back and forth to D.C., um, a lot, and it's just it's wasteful. Like it, it wastes resources. It wastes your time, um, just to go vote on something. It's like, like why? Like, you you got fucking, you know, video teleconferencing. You we have the internet to, to you know vote on stuff. Like you don't need to have all these people flying over the country from, you know, fifty goddamn states. Actually, more than fifty states, because I think, um, I think. There's a couple of, is it Puerto Rico? There's a there's a couple of them that have that are on. Hold on, does Puerto Rico have a congressperson? Oh, came right up. Yes, they have a non-voting commissioner. They've had it since uh, 1901. So there you go. You have people from fucking everywhere, including uh, our territories, that fly in to DC for some reason to do archaic shit. Um, so yeah, like why are we doing this in 2023? It needs to be uh revamped so we can, uh, we can have better representation and, um, save some goddamn money. Cause I mean, if you think about it, like this is all, this is all coming out of our, our tax, our, our taxpayer dollars. Every time somebody flies to fucking DC to go vote on some, some bullshit that might not have to do, with your region. Like, guess what? I don't really give a shit about, you know, farm laws because of where I live, you know, especially farm laws that mainly apply to, you know, corn farm, corn farms in Minnesota or wherever the fuck corn is from, or, you know, where corn is, you know, mainly farm from. I know we have corn in California. I'm being facetious. You get my idea, but you know, you don't need to fly in for all these fucking dumb, um, not dumb. They're, there's reasons for them, but you don't need to like waste resources to do it for every single goddamn vote. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this unless somebody wants to hop on with me, which I only have like probably another thirty minutes until I got to go to bed. Um, but this has been a cool podcast. I definitely appreciate Papa Bear 
um, last minute. Oh, Nebraska, there you go. Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, I got you. Um, I definitely appreciated him being last minute to hop on the podcast because if he didn't, then we might not have had a podcast tonight. And uh, that's that. Uh, shout out to uh, to Kay, who's who's leaving me oh, tomorrow. She's going to be gone for like a weekend, and so I'm going to be chilling. And then I think I'm going to go see – we're going to go see Baby Metal and Death Clock on the 8th. And then I'm taking that next week off because why the fuck not? And I look forward to seeing both of those bands in uh, in Vegas with uh, with my daughter and Kay. And I think it's going to be great. It's going to be uh, my my youngest daughter has been to a couple of concerts by now, but I look forward to taking her to Vegas to go see a Japanese metal band. And also, I look forward to seeing my oldest daughter for her birthday. She turns 21, which is fucking weird. On um, late in late October, and she's flying out. Um, to see me, but also get to go on a cruise. So I get to see her on her birthday, and then I drop her off for a cruise um, the day afterwards. So I think that's going to be cool. Oh, somebody's asking Death Clock with a question mark. Um, Warrior fella, um, look up... Uh, if you're not into metal, don't look it up. But if you are interested, if you're metal adjacent, look up Metalocalypse on Adult Swim. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all fucking time. So, yeah. I've listened to them, um, not since they came out, but I started listening to them when I was in Iraq in 2008. And I haven't stopped listening since. They just dropped a new album this year. And actually, uh, Death Clock is, uh, it's the reason why the podcast is the name that it is, which is funny. I thought Warrior Fellows been listening for a long time. I thought he would have known this, but so the name of the podcast, Black and the Black Times Infinity, it's a lyric from a Death Clock song called the Duncan House Coffee Jingle. And because uh, Nathan Explosion from the band, he said he wanted his coffee blacker than the black is black times infinity. So there you go. This podcast was originally going to be called Geek Speak on Fleek. And I was like, no, because I didn't think Fleek was going to last. Did I see the future? Yes, I did. Does anybody say fleek anymore? No, the fuck they don't. <laughs> anyway, this has been fun. I'm going to uh, relax for the rest of my night. And I hope all of you have a good night as well. Or morning, or whatever. I'm going to edit this in the morning. So don't expect this to come out tonight. And I will uh, hopefully you guys will appreciate, appreciate this. And once again, thank you, thank you, Papa Bear. And for everybody else, have a good night. Later.